the Farm Advisory Service podcast. Audio advice on livestock, crops and soils, environment, rural business and more. Brought to you in association with the Scottish Government. Hello and welcome to this Farm Advisory Service podcast. My name is Tiffany McTaggart and I'm delighted to be speaking to pig farmer Adam Marshall from Sly House's farm near Duns as part of the Forward Thinking Farmers series of podcasts. Adam is a progressive farmer who is always looking for new opportunities and ideas. In the past, Adam has had a farm shop and butcher's shops before opening Oink, a hog row shop, and more recently, Adam has been building state-of-the-art pig units with an outstanding feeding system. Hello, Adam. How are you? Hi, Tiffany. I'm Grand Dance. Good. Would you like to start by introducing yourself? Uh, well, my name is Adam Marshall. I am the fifth uh, generation to farm at Sly Houses, all called Adam. Uh, ironically, they came here 100 years ago. Uh, my great-great-grandfather with two sons called Adam and Charlie, and I now farm today at Sly Houses. Uh, luckily, with uh, two sons called Adam and Charlie as well. Uh, we have uh, we got into pigs in about 956, at Sly Houses, and uh, we have then just built up and built up and built up ever since. So. Very good. So can you tell me a bit more about your farm, like how big it is, how many pigs uh, you have? The farm's 86 hectares, and we own all we own all of that. It's in two sites, and uh, we have a new pig unit, which was built seven years ago on the farm. We, we destocked and restocked at the same time. We have a finishing unit on a neighbour's farm at Greenburn, there's 1,200 uh, fattening pigs, um, and all the rest of the pigs are on the farm. Very good. So did you always want to have a career in farming, or did you just kind of fall into it because it's what's always happened in your family? I've always wanted to be a farmer. I had, uh, from a very young age, I'd, I worked on the farm with my father and my grandfather a bit originally, uh, and my uncle, who was here as well. So we it's always been in my blood, but we had... Uh, I, had a, I was very lucky to have a good rugby career, 13 years at Kelso, and we won pretty much most of what was going on in Scottish rugby at the time, the championship, and uh, we were a very good side. It was very enjoyable. And I think when I finished playing rugby, so I was 32, I think, and uh, there was it let, anybody that plays sport at a reasonable level realised the hole it leaves in your, in your life at, you know, when you, when you have to give it up. And Farman felt it to a degree, but I, I did feel there was a, still an emptiness for five or six years. When I really wanted to try something else. Yeah. So that was when me, myself and, and Sandy Pay, who just met there earlier on, he uh, he and I decided to start a farm retailing business and farm processing for processed meat. That was back in 2000. Very good. So you like to keep busy there and keep challenging yeah, yourself. Enjoy staying busy. Um, so do you want to tell us a bit more about how you've progressed from starting out with Sandy Pate through to now having Oink? Yeah, we, we were we started off with a, with a challenge to sell our product to, to customers, to the consumer direct. So Sandy's a beef and lamb producer up in the Lammermuir Hills at Montbrun Makers. And I went, at the time, in 1999, we, we were both going through a period when we were really getting very poor prices at the farm gate. So that encourages us to, to we got a grant for, I think it was £50,000 
did a grant to build a, a meat processing plant. And uh, we started processing for ourselves, but also for many others. So on the onset of the farmer's market, both in the borders and, and Edinburgh, we, in Haddington, we processed possibly about a quarter of all the meat that went to farmer's markets, all of them the borders and East Lothian uh, were all processed uh, through our plant. Very good. But it was very boom and bust work. So the run up to a farmer's market was mental. And then after that, it, it, you know, the Monday, Tuesdays could be really quiet. So uh, it wasn't great. It wasn't like running, you know, having, a, having a butcher shop where you tend to be busy through, you know, have a steady flow through the week. Yeah. And it was difficult to handle labour-wise, and it was also difficult to handle management-wise, cash flow-wise. So. Yeah, so you then moved on and you got butcher shops, is that correct? We did, we, we did buy, we bought into a company called Fairbairns and Berwick, uh, Fairbairns Butchers Berwick, with two shops, and then eventually we opened one in Duns as well, under the Fairbairns brand. Uh, it was enjoyable, we, we had some phenomenal Butchers, really good guys, uh, well, highly trained. And uh, I felt really sorry for a lot of them because we, unfortunately, when we went, opened in Berwick, there was two supermarkets, one of them a small one, one of them a big one. And when we left Berwick, there was uh, seven, I think. Right. So we were basically chewed up and spat out. Well, that's a bit of a shame. Yeah, it was devastating. I, I for one, I, I'm more, probably more slightly more so than Sandy was, I really enjoyed the meat processing side of the business and uh, it's a great pride in, you know, selling our bacon and sausages and, and pork through the business. Yeah. And it was, uh, it was, it was, was sorry when it stopped. But uh, luckily, we, neither of us were five or six generation butchers. We were one yeah. half a generation of a butcher and uh, it was an easy decision for us to take than it would be if you were, as I say, a five or six generation butcher. But, you know, Berwick is fairly low-income town, and you, you really can blame the consumers either. They were being offered a product similar to ours at much lower cost. So it was it was uh, with great sadness we 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 sold the business and uh, we got rid of the butcheries uh, arm of the uh, arm of the, the our River Country Farm Foods, which we trade under. It was an easy decision made by the fact we had. For a period of time, been taking a catering to the Edinburgh Farmers Market with the hog roast, and yeah. uh, we by then opened one of our rinks in Edinburgh, and then just after we got we sold the butcher shop, we opened a second, which was now six six years ago. Uh, the first one was eleven years ago, six years ago, and two years ago. The third one on Hanover Street. So. Uh, yes, yeah, so that keeps us busy now. Well, yeah. ordinarily keeps us busy, but it'll definitely not keep this you time. busy. Yes, um, yeah, oink is delicious. And <laughs> they do taste good, so definitely recommend going to visit if you're ever in Edinburgh. Um, so, how do you find managing your time between the farm and running oink? Uh, it's called firefighting. <laughs> I go whoever shouts loudest. I go in hell. <laughs> uh, it is a basic. I'm, I'm trying very much to support. Adam and Charlie, my two sons at the farm. My own father passed away about eight, eight, eight years ago and he was a massive loss because it was very much his farm and he enjoyed very much running it. So uh, when I was away being trying to be a butcher, he was stuck at home running the farm with my eldest son, Adam. And then when dad passed away, 
I feel owed it to the boys to come back and and just help them out. And we took a big step, to, obviously with the piggly, which we'll talk about in a minute or two. But uh, you know, the investment nowadays to build a new unit is, is horrendous. So I couldn't let them get on with that themselves. So. Yeah, it's lovely that you've got both your sons working. Yeah, it yeah. is. It's, it's, it has its moments. We're, <laughs> we're all very physical people, and uh, at times it gets. Uh, yeah, I can't wrestle with them even now, but they're, <laughs> they're all big boys and, and uh, they take a bit of holding. So, how do you manage that family dynamic? Uh, it's quite, so, we were tricky at times because Charlie's six years younger than Adam. So, right. uh, they have a sister elder who can put them both right. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Charlie's all, you know, is obviously younger and he he was went, been away and trained to weld. He's a, he's a, he's a very good welder and we're Hopefully, going to be starting to do a lot more of our own fit fixtures and fittings. That'd be good, definitely. Uh, sheds, small sheds, and uh, yeah, there's always something to be welded when you've got base. So <laughs> yeah, definitely good to have that skill yeah, set. Definitely, it's unbelievable. It saves an awful lot of money, and uh, and you, you know, you, you learn as to how to very quickly how to make things a bit better. You know, you've better ideas than maybe some of the manufacturers at times. So it's uh, it's it's good when you can do it in, own, in your own workshop. Yeah, definitely. So you mentioned that you'd built some new pig units. Uh, do you want to tell me a bit more yeah, about those? Yeah, well, we, we uh, when, when Charlie decided to, he wanted to come and have a goat farming as well, we only have 86 hectares, as I said, so just just over 200 acres, which is not a lot to have three house incomes from. And uh, we, you know, I, I researched, we collectively researched uh, the most modern genetics in Europe and the Dan bread pig, you know, stuck out like a sore thumb. It was very dynamic. It follows huge numbers. It, they take a lot of looking after those. So I thought, well, if we're going to do this, let's do make it reasonably difficult for them, but rewarding, you know, so try and get as much income from from the one animal as possible. Yeah. They are expensive. They take a lot of looking after. They're, they are quite... Um, I, I treat them like... A, like you would a thoroughbred horse. Yeah. They go down with anything. And when they're running, they run very fast, you know. So it's a bit like this pig, you know. It, it, it takes a lot of looking after. You can't treat them badly. Yeah. Or they'll treat you badly. But they, we are, I think, every time I say this, someone else comes up. I think we're getting the better of it now. We've, we've educated ourselves on them. But they're certainly not like like a normal Lambrus or large white or what we would describe as a traditional British breed. Yeah. They are... Uh, a tricky animal, very petted, soft, <laughs> in the right conditions, um, they fly, you know, so. Uh, so with these pigs, do you get a better output from them? Yeah, we average about 18 and a half piglets born alive, and the, the sow only has 14 teats on average, so uh, we, we, we swap them daily, uh, sorry, uh, every 40 minutes for the first day they're alive so put, if they've said 20 piglets we would 10 in a, in a bucket and 10 on the sow and then swap them every 40 minutes for as long as possible till the last person goes to bed that must and be very hopefully there's five or six fat at the same time which is great because it mean, means you're busy enough you don't want to just have a walk out of the farm for one for one sow but we do and uh, then at the end of the night you put them all in so they're all on the sow overnight and the next morning you foster off the strongest so you take, if she's got 20, you take six off and you put them on the foster mum. Right. And that foster mum is one that fired the week previously. Okay. And her pigs, 
go back another step onto one that fired the previous week. And her pigs are weaned early. Right. So the they only have to go onto a mother that's got milk one week more mature than than their own mother. And they handle it really well and it's it's it works. It's a lot of work. I, I did I did tell you it's a lot of work. <laughs> it does sound very yeah, labour intensive, intensive to do it's all very that. Intensive, yeah. From what I've also heard, you've got an impressive feed system in place for the pigs. Could you tell me a bit more about that? Yeah, well, we had a we had a, a learning curve, which is very steep. Uh, my son Adam went to Ireland to see uh, a new feed system, which we'd heard about, called Spotmix, which is made by Shower in Austria. And we already have a lot of Shower equipment through Harbour Farm Feeds, uh, sow feeders, uh, piglet feeders, and various things. And uh, Adam was very impressed with this, so we went down the route looking at spot mix. It's a it's a big big investment, but it's, it's phased feeding. So basically, you have eight, nine hoppers in the in the shed, little, from a little one that holds two kilos to big ones that hold twenty tons. So we've got five at twenty tons, two at five tons, one at fifty kilos, and one at two or three kilos, and each of them can feed into a central mixing point. Through a through a computer based system, and in each each trough in each pen, have a sensor, and the sensor lets the computer know that the feed is getting low, and then the feeds run out. So then the the computer, there's a feed curve for for the, the various types of feed, mixes whatever feed is due, and sends it to that pen, through a, a pneumatic system, a high volume compressor. At a very high speed, and when it reaches through the, it goes through a series of diverters, and when when it reaches the diverter next to the pen, next to the trough, it adds water. So for very small pigs, it adds hot water. We have a hot water system in the new piggery, and then when it's older pigs, it adds cold water. So that as the pigs progress, they get slightly cooler water up to when they go to green bun when they're getting cold water. So there's no surprises, but the feed. Various so when they first go in to the piggery they get their very expensive feed and then that two days later they'll get five percent less of that feed and and five percent off the next ration and five days later they'll be on one hundred percent the second ration the next night it'll be five percent less of that one five percent more of the next ration and so on and so forth so they move right through the feed systems without ever knowing there's a change they never taste a change. So I just tell my friends I could, if the same thing I could put them from whiskey onto uh, gin onto rum, <laughs> without them ever noticing. If I change <laughs> a little amount every day. You just drink it and you think mm, that's you never you never notice the difference. So you just don't complain. Yeah, that's a wee bit how it works. So it's it's phased in very small percentages from the day they go in there till the day they come out. That's fascinating. It's amazing what technology yeah. is able to do nowadays. That's unbelievable. It's a phenomenal system, and it's and it's it was a wee few teething problems, but you bear in mind how much technology is involved in it. Um, we we we're getting on fine with it. It's 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 funny when you when you, if you have a problem with it, you, you either phone up the Aberdeenshire engineer or you phone up Austria, and uh, once you get past the, the language difficulty, they'll all automatically you'll see your computer. In front of you, they, 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 in Austria, they're changing your settings and getting it working again. It's, it's absolutely fascinating. It's so a, it's, yeah. it's all Wi-Fi up, so it's it's they, they can get access to it all the time. Amazing. 
Yeah. Amazing what they can do. And it's amazing yeah. how technology's made your life so much easier. Yeah, feed a pig. My father <laughs> knew would put this in. <laughs> <laughs> amazing the changes. Uh, so what el- other things did you put into your design to try and help the welfare of the pigs? Uh, we're, we're at the process. Uh, well, we still use farrow crates because there wasn't, uh, uh, at the time we did this, freedom farrow crates were just in, in their infancy. But we are now, uh, we're, we're, we're jumping to, we're going to put up two new pig sheds this coming year. Very good. And uh, both freedom farrow crates. Yeah. So the piglet, the piglets will be loose amongst a, a very loose mother after about five days. So we'll create them up for five days, and then open the open the sow up and, and let her have a lot more access. So she should be a lot fitter when she comes to the board again, and also get a bit more longevity out of her, maybe another parity out of her if, if we're lucky. Very good. So what do you think the biggest challenges with pigs are? Uh, the price. Right. We have a. We seem to have far more fluctuations in the last few years than we've than we had. It remind you know it took us back to the peaks and troughs of the sixties, seventies, and eighties, where you know we, we we saw massive diff changes month month by month or year by year. Whereas when the supermarkets basically got control of the food sector, they seemed to level it out a bit. They knew exactly what the price is, what it costs to produce a kilo of pork, as they do for mutton, as they do, or, or lamb, as they do for beef, yeah. as they do for a kilo of potatoes, everything. And they tend to keep you, the best farmers making a bit more money than the mediocre ones, and the poor ones tend to make very little. And they know that, so yeah. they know exactly. But just recently, with um, our, our situation, being African swine, because it's been all over China, China they've killed about half half of the pigs. Okay. And that is about a quarter of the world's population of pigs. Ah, that's a lot of pigs they've then. they yeah. So it's now, it's now in Germany, the wild boar population in Germany. So at this point in time, we've got cheap pork on our doorstep and the, the supermarkets would, are wishing, would will it into this country to, to bring, you know, to increase their margins and, and, and uh, Unfortunately, it would have an effect in decreasing hours, but that's a shame. so that's one of the things. Brexit, we don't know how Brexit's gonna. You know, no, I don't think anybody really knows. We're all guessing. The doom and gloom merchants, you know, say no future. The others say we've got a phenomenal future. It's We're just still in this country, only produce about. I think it's about fifty-five to sixty percent of pork eaten in the UK is produced in 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 the UK. The rest all imported. So. You would you would automatically think that's a good thing. So Brexit should help big big industry, but I I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure. Wait and see. But I'm I'm positive that if you're good, if you're outstanding in your field, you'll make money and you'll be there at the end. Yes. And that we're striving to be as good as we can be. We're not outstanding by any means, but we're we want to be outstanding, and uh, that's every rest of a target, and that's ours. So. Yeah, definitely sounds like you're working your way towards being outstanding with your new feeding systems and what you're doing with the pigs. Um, so how do you think your attitude has helped you be successful, both with having Oink as well as the farming business? Uh, not pitying myself, but I think I am dyslexic, so I think I've always struggled academically and I've always felt I've had to work harder to make up that ground and that, I think that's been a positive thing in a way I've managed with, without having 
as uh, control of the written word as much as I should have. Uh, I'm 60 now, so I think I've, I've seen the worst. <laughs> true. Uh, and I think is I think I've always surrounded myself with people who've worked hard. Yeah. In 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 my social life, in my rugby days, I always befriended people that were the hardest working athletes in the team. Yeah. And uh, they'll be surprised. I hope they're not listening. They'll be surprised they were, but I thought they were, and I always like like to work out why what motivated them, what motivated them to train harder, and I would just latch on behind them. And I'm very much like that in farming. I think if I'm out first and in last attitude, I think it it's it's a bit boring, but it it it's what I've all basically always done. I'm trying not to do that just as much now, but I've always been there, you know, tried to be there first, now last. Uh, and partly because a lot of the people I look up to in business are like that, so I think I should be like that. <laughs> it's not because it's my own idea, it's not. It's, it's because of, of trying to follow what other people do that are successful. And uh, that's a bit, it's a bit boring, but that's what, you know, I do. And I've always been inventive. So yep. I've come up, you know, come up with the idea, a lot of the ideas. And like, I'm very, very lucky with Sandy Pate, who's one of his lifelong friend. We played rugby at Kelsey together years ago. When we were 15, he's, he's, he's a fantastic business partner. And I, I would never be able to do the only thing without him because we've had some real poor years, especially in the meat business, when we were in the meat business. Really tricky times. And... Uh, We've, 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 had a, we've had an absolute ball doing the whole oink thing has been brilliant but, but for, take away the fun you have to have somebody that you can trust and, and you know, I don't have any brothers myself but he, you know, as, a, as a business partner he's been absolutely phenomenal so I've got to thank him for everything and, you know, and my father was, was a great business partner to me and I've got two sons that are also look like they're going to be great business partners Very to good. me as well so yeah surrounding yourself with the right people is, is, is what most Businessmen will always tell you, and uh, and if they're family, great, and if they're not family, just you know, it's just the same, really. Yeah, but definitely good, a good team and being yeah, able to oh, trust absolutely. them. Yeah, absolutely. It's very limited what you can do by yourself. Yes, and hard work always goes a long way, I definitely. Think so, yeah. So, what drives you personally? What makes you want to do the farm well and do oink well? Uh, the farm is is a funny thing because the farm is, is it's been, as I say, it's five generations. Uh, sorry, I'm the fourth generation farm here, and Adam Chandler the fifth, and it's kind of sacred. It's a small place, so whatever I do, you know that'll never farm will always stay here. So we don't take big risks with a, with with security or anything like that. So if anything, I'm maybe historically been a bit careful as what we borrow, what we've borrowed against the farm yeah. as it were, and uh, so we're taking a few more risks just at the minute, but not. That's not something that I'm intending to make happy of. <laughs> but, uh, so that, the farm, is, the history of the farm uh, is very important to me, the, the, the family part of it. The oink thing is is about, the, what motivates me towards oink is my, is my passion for pork. Right. To see pork sold properly and eaten, you know, eaten nice, cooked nicely and eaten well. And yeah. when I hear, when I, or look at um uh, people's remarks on Facebook or TripAdvisor or, you know, if I'm, if I'm down the dumps a bit, I just read what people are saying about Oink and that just gives me a big lift. Brilliant. So, um, you know, I'm a very passionate big farmer and 
pork producer, and I, I love it, the fact that I can sell my pork to the end consumer. I think it's always been right through my butchery days. It was it was important to me, and it's still important, yeah. Very good. So you wouldn't really say you're a risk taker, so whenever you start a new venture, are you somebody who goes and tries and plans meticulously? No, I'm a risk taker. You are a risk taker for yeah. that side of it. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just the farm that you like to keep that sensible yeah. and then you take your risks out with the farming business. Yeah, we're taking a few more risks at the minute than we should be probably. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you think COVID's affected you this year? Uh, it's absolutely flattened us. It's been like being run over by that. Road roller, we are, we're unfortunately going to have to close Oink in Edinburgh, all three, for January at least, because yeah. we are, there's nobody in the, in the city at all. That's such a shame. Until tourists start coming back, I think we'll probably remain closed. It's, it's very, I'm very upset about it, and it's, 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 we had a phenomenal year last year, a record, record performance, which is great because it, it's actually allowed us to, to be here still, because if yeah. we hadn't had, I think, you know, we, we don't own any of the shops, there's three rented properties, we have still got to come up with a big percentage of the rents. Yeah. Uh, if we weren't in that position, we'd have had to go down, same as loads of other people are. So uh, we're very, very fortunate that the timing of this has come after, a, a, you know, a phenomenal year when we had a lot of... Um, you know, with some great results. So people have been very tolerant of us and uh, the bank have been very supportive. Um, and some of the landlords have been very supportive as well. I have yeah. to say that. They've been good. Um, we're going to need support in this sector for considerable time. I'm it's very, very grateful to the government for that as well. But I don't know, you know, we just want, like everybody that will listen to this, like everybody just want to see an end to it and patience we're going to, all going to have to just be patient until yeah until yeah until the end comes but. a lot of patience batter down the hatches mm. and wait it out yeah well yeah. hopefully this vaccine that's come will hopefully oh, get things lifting up a bit that was quicker. A big, lifted everybody but. definitely yeah. definitely so do you have a long-term plan of where you would like to, well, once we've got past COVID, once, where you want to take Oink in the farming business? Yeah, um, we do. We still want to, in, in, uh, we'd like to expand Oink. Yes. Um, we've got three shops in Edinburgh, I think. Edinburgh would probably take a fourth or fifth uh, easily because, uh, you know, even where we live in the borders, we have to travel seven miles to buy a postage stamp. Yeah. Uh, in Edinburgh, they won't walk any further than <laughs> it takes 10 minutes. And if it's outside 10, they'll find something else to eat. So you can then divide Edinburgh up into far smaller squares than, the, than you can the borders, yeah. which is why we, we think it would take more than that. Um, so we we have tried Hanover Street, which was the last store, which was in a business area of Edinburgh, shopping area. It's not as been successful. So... Um, I think we would if we would expand on it, it would be around the tourist areas. They yeah. they seem to love it and and uh, it's exciting when tourists are in town. It's 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 quite a nice place to be because it's busy and there's has buzz and yeah yeah. So that's definitely um push push point on. Um, Sandy's daughter Alex is is got a strong grip of the helm in the office and uh, and in. in She's taking a bigger part of playing the management. So it's nice to see next generation come in. Yeah, lovely. I'd like my daughter, Ailey, to come in at some stage. She has been involved with the business many for, for more than once, but uh, she 
travel agent at the minute, so she's quite keen to stay in that field. Farm, I just more of the same. We're doing a bit more contract farming. Okay. For we we were all part of a group which contract farmed a local farm, and uh, we took it on ourselves last year. So uh, we're now and and we and a share farming, um, contract farming arrangement with two other uh, local farms. So my next door neighbours, uh, and I own. Uh, a lot of big machinery, yeah. which we do each other's land with, and we also do the contract farming land with it as well. So, the the machines which I still take a part in, um, cover about uh, just over two thousand acres every year. That'll keep you busy. <laughs> so it does, yeah. But we, we, we don't combine. It's just it's crop establishment. Uh, so after the crops are established, the 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 group which is called TRM, we just that's the job done for the year. So we have a busy spring, a busy autumn, and then everybody has does their own combining. Yeah. And although uh, uh, we're uh, taking a bit more of that on ourselves as well, but uh, so we're not farming all that. We're, they do their own agronomy, they do their own spraying fertilising as well. But it's just, it was, it was, we're finding it more and more difficult to get uh, operators yeah. when we needed them. and. And we're finding some of the neighbours were finding it more difficult to hold on to, um, like tractor operators for such a short period of time. Yeah. So you, you're on find work for them and you can't really. So that's hence why I tend to do the tractor work. Uh, we have us like just shy of six hundred horsepower machine, and you're only using it for four months a year. Yeah. And it, to hold on to somebody for the other eight months, it's it's really difficult, and it's it's sadly all farmers are finding this. It's arable farming. It's, it's such a short window now. It is, um, yeah. Yeah, so that's but, that's what we do, and it's been successful. We're on our, you know, third, fourth tractor now. Uh, so, twenty five to thirty years we've done it. Oh, that's quite a while so it's, then. It's well established. Yeah. yeah, very well established. And it's very simple. It's just five, I think, five or six pieces of equipment, and we favour it twice a year, May and November after we've done the spring work and after we've done the autumn work. And we use the bottom machinery to transfer the funds around. So we put sheets in for each farm at the end of the season. Yeah. And the BMR process them and we do all the, the finance are all done by the BMR. So it worked and we've done that from the start as well. It, it, it worked a treat and it just takes the pressure off, you know, there's not nobody chasing money or anything like that. So it's good. That, that sounds very good arrangements, definitely. We know the, the, other, the other thing is we know the cost precisely. Yeah. We know exactly what that tractor costs to run. We know exactly what the cultivators cost, grain drill cost. You know, it varies slightly depending on you know, big breakdowns, if we have any, but it's, it's pretty new equipment, so it doesn't break down that much. But we know exactly what it costs to sow an acre of ground Yeah. and roll it and... You know, get to that stage ready for fertilizing and spraying. So that is a, it's a very good management tool because you tend to, uh, when you were when we were doing it, you know, before you tend to <laughs> hide the costs behind <laughs> something else, you know, and there's no hiding place now. So you know, it's a, it's it's been a, it's been a it's been a good thing, and very rarely had any fallout. So it's that's the important thing, you know. Yeah, that's good. It's not stressful. It's just. You just go on and do what you've got to do. It's, it, it works, works fine. Yeah, that's, that sounds very good. 
Um, definitely keeping a handle on the costs. I think a lot of yeah, people aren't a, aware yeah. of exactly yeah. what the costs are, and that's definitely got you on the ball. Do you think you're on the ball with the costs of the pigs? Absolutely. Yeah. Good. For the penny. <laughs> we've, we we spend a lot of time costing everything out now, so we have we have different uh, computerized systems of of doing the costings, but we 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 do a lot of hard row farm feeds on a on a on a on our cost uh, on our costs. So every time any any raw material change, we add that in, we put that in the system, and we know exactly how much that's going to increase the cost of the ration of the pear pig yeah. per kilo uh, produced. So we, we it's a it's a great thing because the bank, you know, if if you are asking for the help for the bank, to do, they want that's the kind of information they want nowadays. Yeah, they don't want you guessing. They don't want back a back a fag packet, <laughs> you know, calculations. They want precise calculations, and you still budgeting still is is obviously tricky when you've got fluctuations in price. You know you don't know what cereals uh, are going to cost you for feed. You don't know what you're going to do. You know what what price is going to be, but you still have to stab a guess at it. So it's important when you've got um, consistently putting your your inputs in, yeah, and you've got your output. You know exactly what's possible. So yeah. Yeah, very it's important good. in any intensive business, more so than an extensive business, you know. Yeah. It's very important that you know you're at least trying to at least you're <laughs> money. Definitely. So like you're very on the ball. Um so what advice would you give somebody who's deciding to go and start on their own new venture? Um stick at it longer than people tend to try something new for too short a time. I've yeah. seen it. I always think just as you, you need to stick at it. Don't be don't be despondent if things don't happen straight away. Because if your plan was right, your plan's still right. It's just means people haven't jumped on board yet. So I think you know, once you start once you start something, see it through. You're cheating yourself if you don't. And uh, work hard. Yeah. Don't leave any stone unturned. That's... Make sure you do your groundwork. Marketing is always key. We Sandy and I didn't believe in marketing very much until we got in, in touch with a, a marketing company called Bright Light up at Selkirk and, and we don't use them anymore but the difference they made to Oink was unbelievable and uh, you know we ended up doing stuff we'd thought about maybe but hadn't, just hadn't done it and they, you know, they said to us we're just going to kick your bum until you do <laughs> what we tell you, you know, and, and, and it does work and marketing's very important, especially if you're, if you're going to be marketing produce to the consumer. You must, you can't just turn up and expect everybody to come and buy. You must market. You must market your product. Yeah. So that was obviously a lesson that you learned along well, the way. Well, I think Oink's a phenomenal brand. I'm so proud of that. It was a, it was my idea, but uh, Sandy loved it as soon as I, I was, I was. It's a great story. I was, I had a, I had a, a maggot. I was middle of harvest and. I, I was dirty, I wasn't allowed in the house. So Don made me a mug of coffee and I was drinking it. On the wall, the cup was on the wall and I saw everybody, I've been a pig fan, everybody buys you biggie presents at Christmas time, birthdays and everything. So they bought me this mug and it had oink written on it, like a little caption out in the pig's mouth. And I thought, that's it, oink. So I phoned up the girl who does the design, does all the design and Debbie and, and I said, oink, which is marvellous. And she designed the oink logo, which is just... Outstanding. It's, it's a lovely logo. We were driving through Edinburgh in the vans and people 
jump off the pavement and get their pure self in front of them. <laughs> the Brilliant. Yeah, I've witnessed it myself. It's hilarious. And there was one day I was driving, I was using the, the oink van, to, one of the oink vans to, uh, to escort the combine down the A1. <laughs> and uh, there, was a, there was a car stopped, turned around, came along and took a selfie out. Driving at the same time, <laughs> overtaking the main one. I thought, "This no, I'm, I'm here to transfer the combine." They're absolutely mental. It's so, you know, when you have that effect on people, it's very, very pleasing. You know, you've done a very good job marketing when yeah. that happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll yeah. give you a lot of satisfaction as well. Very good. Um, so, thank you, Adam, for taking the time to talk to me today and providing such an interesting insight into both yourself and your farming business and Oink. You can find out more about the Farm Advisory Service and the work we're doing by visiting our website www.faz.scot or if you need advice, call the helpline on 0300 323 0161.